0: And when you have a state like Virginia, which has been traditionally red, turned to blue, it skipped purple almost altogether It jumped yeah. straight to blue and jumped straight to blue and has now gone back to an amazing shade of red in this particular election, it is an indication of the broader mentality that people have towards what's going on in Washington, D.C.
1: And welcome in to a special edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Justin Hall, Dave Wiltz, and Mitch Prosser here with you breaking down the events of this past week with the off-off-year elections of 2021.
0: When you look at off-off-year elections, so folks, what that means is we normally have our presidential elections in the leap year. You have our gubernatorial elections every other year, but there are two states that have elections in these odd years. That's Virginia- And New Jersey, those tend to be great bellwether indicators of what's the temperature of America right now on major issues. And when you have a state like Virginia, which has been traditionally red, turned to blue, it skipped purple almost altogether. It jumped straight to blue. And jumped straight to blue and has now gone back to an amazing shade of red in this particular election. It is an indication of the broader mentality that people have towards what's going on in Washington, D.C.
2: You're absolutely right. In fact, if you're listening to the major media outlets or the drive-by media, whatever you want to call them, you're hearing several different uh, conflation of ideas right now. You're hearing uh, this is a repudiation or rejection of Biden as presidency. You're also hearing that this is uh, trumped up culture wars and all the things that go along with that. Ultimately, I think what we're seeing is a rejection of the policies that the left has tried to force down regular everyday Americans' throats. For example, take a look at the Minneapolis ordinance on public safety. If you are familiar with this, it was last summer, the death of George Floyd where they uh, voted to move their public safety toward a department of public safety rather than the police. They voted on this on Tuesday night. 56 to 34. They are still in favor of 56% of the people in Minneapolis are still in favor of having a police force. Why? Because crime went up nearly 70%. We're seeing that across the nation, places like San Francisco, places like Charlotte, North Carolina, places like Minneapolis, Minnesota, where crime has gone up because the people... In power, ultimately, those on the left have decided that they want to scale back police, defund the police, whatever you want to call it. And we're seeing the natural thing, natural occurrence of events. And when when security isn't there, police aren't there,
1: crime goes up. And that's the case because Ilhan Omar did come out and say, you know, now the lack of police is the problem. Uh, I guess the people of Minneapolis agreed with her, and that's why they chose to keep their police force, which it's hard for the police to do their job when you burn down the police precinct. New Jersey is a is a governor's race that's, that, that was very interesting because New Jersey is cobalt blue. It's blue. It's and, blue. And, 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 and Governor Phil Murphy was one of the leading chargers of the COVID lockdowns, and he was at the forefront of liberal policy during the 2020 election cycle
0: well here's the interesting part joe biden won new jersey by 10 points there may be 10 votes that separate you know i mean a little bit sarcastic Mm -hmm. but it's not very much at all that separates the republican and the democrat when you have a 10 point swing like that it is a clear again indication of what people's temperatures are on the policies that are in going on in america
2: in one year in one year, you're seeing a 10 to 11 point swing in one.
0: Year. Well, and ironically, it's less than a year because, yeah, keep you're right. In yeah. Mind, we're only in November. We haven't even been through a full year cycle mm-hmm. of what's going on with the Biden presidency.
2: Right. In fact, listen to what Edward Durr, who spent an entirety of $153 on. I didn't say $153,000. Uh, 153000 And Justin, you said he spent most of that on donuts? Yeah,
1: half of that on probably on donuts. Okay.
2: For $153 for his entire campaign. He's a former truck driver. He beat the longest sitting Democrat in the state of New Jersey's history, Stephen Sweeney. He said this. He said, the reason I was elected is because it's a repudiation of the policies that have been forced down the people of New Jersey's throat. People have been told they can't work. They can't go to church. You can't tell people they can't do things. Hello? And that's we're starting to see that. The COVID fatigue is strong right now. So even if it's not the culture war, people are craving the liberties and freedoms that this nation was founded on.
0: And I think when you think about it from that standpoint, that is why people have an attitude of rejection of everything that has to do with government-forced mandates, whether it's the mandate on the vaccine, it's the mandate on staying at home. We don't do that in America because we have built on this concept of liberty and freedom. We are here because we are making choices that God's given us the ability to actually think and look at situations and make decisions on those things, and don't need somebody to basically slap a nose ring in our nose and start yanking us in a particular direction. That's not who we
1: are, right? Robert Cahaley's group. I remember, he uh, he was well documented for the 2020 polling uh, and 2016 polling. Uh, they put out a poll uh, to, te- to test the ballot in the upcoming election for governor. Whom do you plan? For whom do you plan to vote? This was on November the first. In New Jersey, Phil Murphy got 49.4% in that poll to Jack Chidarelli's 45.2%. 43 were undecided. Wow. So, we we're shocked by the number. We're shocked that it was this close. We're not shocked that Phil Murphy won. I don't think anyone here is shocked that he won, even though what he did is actually a bit of New Jersey history as a Democrat incumbent to win re-election. But we're not surprised he won. We, I think were stunned that it was this close right but everything
0: that you have seen in this election anywhere that joe biden won and i think part of that is you had people that were turning out who were having an issue against donald trump and they are instead of voting for someone they were voting against and i think that reality is the democrats the progressives the the far end, liberal end of the Democratic Party has already begun to do what they think needs to be done to shove through as much as they possibly can. But that sound that you heard on Tuesday night, Mm -hmm. I think were the brakes being applied (laughs) on a lot of the agenda that they have been trying to pass. And I don't know how much of it will get passed now because Republicans are recognizing, wait, we've got to move here.
1: Well, and we're going to we're going to test that theory today because they're sending they're sending these votes to the floor. They're sending bills to the floor today. Nancy Pelosi's mm-hmm. calling for votes today on these bills. So we'll see how they shake out because now we'll get to this a little bit later, but just just a short preview. There are two options that come out of this Virginia uh, run that we're about to talk about. Two options. One, we got to go faster and we got to do more, mm-hmm. or number 2, we got to lay off and we got to hit the brakes. And I think we see what side that side of the aisle is going to fall on.
2: There's no doubt. In fact, I asked the other day uh, while she was walking into the house chamber, what she was going to do, uh, Speaker Pelosi basically said, we're going to put our foot on the, the pedal. Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening right now, and you're thinking, my goodness, you guys have buried the lead. Let's get to, I think, probably the most yeah. noteworthy and newsworthy right. uh, subject since Tuesday, and that is the Virginia races. My goodness, uh, I think we saw a major shakeup, as we've already talked about, uh, in a red state turning blue almost 10, 12 years ago, right. and now has turned back a slight shade of pink, if not a deep shade of Republican red let's talk a little bit about how Virginia stole the headlines between the race between Terry McAuliffe the last Clinton holdover and Democrat uh, whoa and Republican Glenn Youngkin
1: well I think it goes more to uh, let's set the stage for you because I, again I'm using uh Kahaley's polling here this was back in August when asking which of any of the national of the following national issues is most upsetting to you and just for what it's worth Socialist ideas and education came in in the lead at 21%, rising illegal immigration at 20.5, followed by rising inflation, increased vaccine and mask mandates, federal deficit spending. None of these upset me got 18%. But go. the the one the one that won the day there was socialist ideas and education. Yep. Glenn Youngkin was really off the radar. You didn't know who Glenn Youngkin was unless he was your next door neighbor. When this race started, Terry McAuliffe had the name. He could have ran away with this race by saying we need to fix our roads and our bridges and we need to keep doing what we're doing. Instead, for whatever reason, he decided to step into education, which which is fine if you say, hey, we want to make education better. Instead, he went with the national democratic platform of teachers unions Mm -hmm. and, and and socialist ideas in education. And Virginia voters, specifically suburban moms, said absolutely not. It
0: goes back to what we were just talking about before. When you look at um, the American tradition, the American tradition is not the government telling you what to do. And when you have a mentality like you heard with Terry McAuliffe, the voters of Virginia believed what Terry McAuliffe said. He said, parents don't need to be involved in education. We've got professionals for that. we got school boards for that. They don't need to be getting into this. And and moms, dads are looking at that going, you're basically telling me you're going to take over
2: for my role as a parent in my child's life. You've mentioned a few times Robert Cahaley with Trafalgar, a proud South Carolina native and a Braves fan, by the way. Go Braves. Uh, But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention another South Carolinian who played a factor in the Virginia race, and that is Chad Connolly with Faith Wins. They had the faith community engaged in that race. If if you can credit, we can talk about suburban moms, we can talk about... uh, all the things that happened with education choice but ultimately i believe one of the things that pushed the virginia race over the edge was the grassroots faith community engaging not just in the up uh, not just in the northern virginia area not just in the tidewater not just in richmond all across the state, from Lynchburg to Bristol, all the way down to Danville
1: and Emporia. Well, here's the here's the bigger thing. You've seen on all the major news networks that Glenn Youngkin, and I said it earlier, came out of nowhere. He came out of nowhere a year ago. This is not a big swing that has happened in the last week. Uh, with Kahale's polling, this is on August the 30th. If the election for governor were held tomorrow, who are you most likely to vote for? Terry McAuliffe got 46.5%. Glenn Youngkin, 46.3%. We go one month later to October 14th. Glenn Youngkin, 48.4%. Terry McAuliffe, 47.5%. That is one month later. Then in November, November 1st. Glenn Youngkin at 49.4%, Terry McAuliffe at 47.1% in that polling. What that tells you is it lines up perfectly with the National Issues Survey that I just cited a couple minutes ago parents care about their education of their children. And it showed because Glenn Youngkin knew that and tapped into it.
0: And when that happened, you all of a sudden saw the cross happening in the polling. Keep in mind, folks, polling is this. It is a snapshot of what people think at a given moment in time. Mm -hmm. Really, uh, the reality is the only poll that really matters is the one that happens on election day. (laughs) Yeah. But the, the polling that happens before at least gives that level of an indicator of how are things going. It is, you know, where, is, where are we in the process right now? What's working? What's not working? But when you begin to recognize that, again, Virginia voters heard Terry McAuliffe. And they believed what he said when he said that parents don't need to be involved in their children's education. Now there are a ton of flags that got thrown up into the air, yep. and 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 everybody on the Democratic side right now is cr- is calling foul because well this is this is white parents pushing back on CRT. This is you know all of these which isn't real,
1: which isn't real by the way,
0: which they're saying is not real, right? <laughs> and and if you've listened to the palmetto family podcast or if you haven't heard those episodes please go back to our first few episodes because we dive deep into critical race theory so that one you can understand it within its cultural context and begin to recognize its elements as they appear within your community is it happening directly in your school in south carolina some people are screaming no some people are saying yes Some people, Molly Spearman says, it's not being taught in South Carolina schools. But we, as we've traveled across the state of South Carolina, have had educators come up to us. We've had how many meetings now across the state? Over 60. We've had over 60 meetings. We've met with more than 5,000 people across South Carolina this year. And we're hearing from people coming up to us and saying, listen, they're teaching this sort of stuff in professional development Mm -hmm. at the school Level at the at the district level where they're teaching this diversity and inclusivity, this equity argument, and when that starts happening at the teacher training level, do you not think that starts to seep itself down into the ways that they're teaching in the classroom?
1: You mentioned the polls are a snapshot in time, but I think that that showed a very significant trend over the final two and a half to three months of the campaign that parents were engaged on this issue. Parents. Want their children to be taught correctly. They want them to be taught moral value that that goes with their beliefs. It's, it's very simple. Now that begs the question: Why didn't Why didn't the other campaign? Why didn't the McAuliffe campaign pivot? Why did instead? instead you doubled down and on the last day of the campaign you say what well, well you know what we have too many white teachers and i'm going to bring in randy Weingarten on the last day of my campaign
0: so let's let's apply that same premise here then to what's going on on these votes that the house is trying to do it's right. it's a manic reaction mm-hmm. yes it is not a well thought out response you now i tell my kids all the time there's a difference between a reaction and a response you may take the same exact action, but a reaction is, does not take the time for you to stop, think, and process through what you're doing. I think you've got a manic reaction in Washington, D.C. going on right now, and you saw the very same thing happen, happening with Terry McAuliffe. It's like, I've got to do everything I can to, to bump up my bona fides on the liberal progressive issues, mm-hmm. and guess what? People didn't like that. They don't want this, put your foot on the gas, push to the socialist left. They don't want to build up socialism in America. This this attempt right. at, at at trying out socialism, a lot of people are going, I don't know if I like the flavor of this right now.
2: Especially when it comes to their pocketbooks.
0: When it comes man. to their pocketbooks, when it comes to their children. Their children. Yeah. Yeah. And and now when you start talking about pocketbook and home issues. Yeah. Now you're starting to see this very different reaction. And so I think what you saw on Tuesday was the pendulum start swinging itself Mm -hmm. back over. I think we've hit the apex of it, but I think that when we look at this, what you're watching in Washington, D.C., and you'll see happening over the next few weeks and months, is we've got to push ourselves further and further and further over. That's the reason why you got to have guardrails in place to be able to protect against driving
2: off the cliff because I think that's exactly where we're going right now. Once again, there's this conflation of ideas. I mentioned it just a moment ago, but the mainstream media is pushing two totally different mar- narratives that are diametrically opposed to one another. On one hand, they're saying that the Virginia race is more evidence of white supremacy in the election of Glenn Youngkin. However, however... It is worth noting that the very first woman of color ever elected to statewide office, and I said woman of color, she is a black female, also Marine, Simplify. she was elected. Her name is Winsome Sears. She holds an AR in several pictures. This woman- My kind of lieutenant governor. I like her. This woman is bad to the bone. She ran an aggressive, strong, and yet- A really good campaign. She won the lieutenant governorship of the state. I'm sorry. She won the lieutenant governorship of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And then you had a Cuban-American
0: Republican who won as
1: attorney general. Well, I think that just shows the white supremacy runs deep in Virginia. It's dripping. It is dripping because (laughs) if
0: you take a look at this right now, the diversity of the conservative (laughs) candidates was more than evident and this is a place where you you have to beg the question it's kind of like the 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 verse in the bible where it says you look in the mirror and then you 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 walk away and you forget what you look like i think progressives have looked in a mirror walked away and gone oh well Mm -hmm. well we're the party of diversity because they're embracing everything out there
1: and not embracing people they are so out of touch they are so out of touch. You got it. You get infiltrated. You get insulated in Washington, mm-hmm. and you get out of touch with the true ideals and thoughts of the American people. They have no idea, and this is the idea of the progressivism. Uh, I will credit. I will credit Michael Knowles with this. I was listening to his podcast yesterday, and he said, "Here's the simple truth." The progressive left thinks that they are trying to reach utopia, so the only way that their victories can't happen is because, well, the public just doesn't understand it, and they're not on the same level as them because they understand that these ideas are actually good because we want to reach utopia, but you just don't understand it yet. Now, here's what I love to do on election night. (laughs) Um, On election night, when things start breaking... Do you
0: pop popcorn and just sit there? I pop
1: some Mm. coconut oil popcorn. Mm. It's healthier for you and it's more addictive. And I (laughs) watch... I, I flip away from the conservative media, and I and I go to my trifecta. The
2: exploding I go
1: I go to NBC, MSNBC, and CNN. That's where I get my enjoyment and my laughter. It happened in 16, and it happened again in 2021. 20, I want to play you a few clips. We'll, we'll play each of these, and then we'll give a quick reaction to them. I just have a couple. This first one is from the the venerable Nicole Wallace at MSNBC. Here is what she has to say with her panel. Now, she doesn't give the panel a chance to talk.
3: I think we know the answer to some of this. I watched Glenn Youngkin's interviews on Fox News, and he did nothing that Claire... He did not... I mean, he worshipped at the altar of Donald Trump on Fox News. He flew an insurrection flag at his rallies. He simply didn't. He played dumb about a, 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 a Zoom rally. He did not really put much distance between himself and Donald Trump on the big lie or the deadly insurrection in which police officers were maimed by flagpoles. So I think that the, the real ominous thing is that critical race theory, which isn't real. Turned the suburbs 15 points
2: to the Trump insurrection endorsed Republican. What do Democrats do about that?
0: I find it so ironic that you want to sit here and say CRT, critical race theory, is not real. It isn't real. Even though Ibrahim X. Kendi
1: writes about it. Well, to be fair, he did ruin his own point. He tweeted out over the weekend that uh, white students are having to pretend or having to lie about their race on college admission forms to get in, and that's a sign of white supremacy. He then deleted it because that shows that it makes no sense. Here's
0: the thing, folks, and this is we always go back to the issues, why they matter, what the Bible says about them. If you want to make an issue totally about race because you lost, it you didn't lose because of a race issue. Win some Sears. Let's just reiterate this fact. She is an African-American woman yes. who is a conservative. Yep. And guess what? The voters of Virginia didn't care about her race, did not care about her race. No. And that is a place where there are so many ways that the, the left is trying to make up an excuse right now. For the fact that they lost. And why not just throw up the red flag of racism?
1: We're going to keep going with it. Because there's a few more. And Mitch, I want to get your response on this one. Van Jones of CNN. Now, Van Jones is my favorite. 2016 was a white lash when Donald Trump won. Here is what he turned it up a notch. Van Jones on CNN about Glenn Youngkin.
0: First of all, it's not over. Um, You do have the, the grassroots folks out there fighting for this on the Democratic Party side. The stakes are high. Uh, when this election is over in Virginia, we will know, have we seen the emergence of the Delta variant of Trumpism? The Delta variant of Trumpism. In other words, Yunkin, uh, same disease, but spreads a lot faster and can get a lot more places.
1: The Delta variant of Trumpism, Mitch. Wow. Uh, I
2: was listening to NPR. Don't don't hate me. I was listening to NPR on the way in, and they're even getting this uh, the other way. They're saying, well, Yunkin was the scaled back version. Once again, they can't get the story straight. The narrative that they have preached for a decade or more, now the talking heads just can't figure it out. It reminds me of a passage in James where we talk about sweet and bitter water coming from the same fountain. It just can't happen. You've got mixed messaging going on here, and it's hideously obvious Really what we're looking at here is these people are just pushing salacious tidbits. They're just looking for that. They're dangling the hook, trying to get people to bite. And what the American people are now waking up to realize is there's somebody holding the rod. There's someone up there who's trying to reel them in. Don't take the bait.
0: So I am a recovering journalist, and I still have friends who are in the business. It's very interesting because even though... The Biden Department of Justice said there was no collusion on what happened in January 6th. You still have producers and writers who are calling it an insurrection. You had Van Jones call it a deadly insurrection, a Delta variant of Trumpism. You have all of these analogies that are coming up right now. And guess what? They still believe it. When two police cars in the city of Columbia are vandalized with with terrible words on them and then set ablaze. They could not call that a riot in the city of Columbia. When two police cars are set on fire after they've been vandalized, you've got reporters, you've got anchors who are being told by management and by the leadership in the newsroom, you can't call it a riot. Mostly peaceful protests. You got to beg, it begs the question, folks at home, we're telling you these things so that you can begin to be a critical thinker yourself on these
1: issues. Here's what's interesting about these next three, because- this is, this is saying that CRT isn't real. That's the whole thing now. Oh, well, well, this was because of CRT, but it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. Here are back. We're going to go back to back to back here. Let's have a little fun first with Andrea Mitchell <laughs> from NBC
3: particularly what we're seeing in critical Loudoun County. Well, I was going to say, in Loudoun County, this is where critical race theory, this conspiracy theory that is really made up, it's not taught anywhere in Virginia schools. It was promoted, in fact, by a person who is connected to the Trump White House. And so there's a whole train of people who are involved in setting this up. But Youngkin has used this issue and... In the debate that Chuck was moderating, Terry McAuliffe kind of walked into it by saying a clip which he says was out of context, which he said that parents, you know, shouldn't be involved in their school, in the kids' schools. And he has said over and over again since that he didn't mean it. He said it on Meet the Press. But the fact is that we saw in the exit polls that for the first time in any of our memory, education was second to the economy in the...
0: Here's an interesting part, and this is a journalistic thing. When they turn around and say that this was created within the Trump White House, yeah. In journalism, this is what we have to do. I've got to verify that. Yeah. I've got to have a second source on that piece of information right there before I can turn around and say it on the air. You know, when you look at this, and and Terry McAuliffe, he didn't just say it in a debate when he said parents shouldn't be involved in their children's education. It was not a single incident where he said that. It was said multiple times. Why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because when we get into an election cycle, you have got to start listening to everything that is being said by the candidates themselves your involvement in that cannot rely solely upon what you see on the newspaper when you're when you're walking past it walking into your walmart you can't just take what you saw on the five o'clock and six o'clock newscast because that's been edited down into a 30 second clip to be able to give you all the news that you can cover in a day you've got to be paying attention and you've got to be involved
3: they would have to be willing to say what you have said on your show. I think we've all said a version of it. You have to be willing to vocalize that these Republicans are dangerous, that this isn't a party that's just another political party that disagrees with us on tax policy, that at this point, they're dangerous. They're dangerous to our national security because stoking that kind of soft white nationalism — eventually leads to the hardcore stuff. It leads to the January 6th stuff because if people are tolerant of it in your party, they're tolerant of the soft racism. Mm. It's a really short trip to get to the January 6th insurrectionist place. And-
0: That's Joy Reid right there. And, and I find it very interesting as you listen to these clips. These are the phrases that they use. Delta variant of Donald Trump. Dangerous, deadly, insurrection, They are trying to paint conservatives in this type of deadly, dangerous, Delta variant, insurrectionist light, because that is the only thing that they can do. Whenever you run a campaign, if you want to run a real good campaign, you've got to be running for something, not against something. The Bible has us running to Jesus, not away from Satan. We run from Satan, but we're running to Jesus as we do so. And I'm not saying Jesus is a Republican or Jesus is a Democrat. That is not the issue here. But you've got to start recognizing that when you have people who are doing what they can to split people up, division is a tool that is not to be part of the Christian way of approaching what we do in society.
1: Last one here. Joy Reid, Nicole Wallace, and Rachel Maddow are on the stage. Now, Rachel Maddow was the moderate. <laughs>
0: Rachel Maddow as a moderate. She, that was, is the moderate. A she was the Help moderate. Us. She was the moderate.
1: She was the moderate on this desk on MSNBC. Here's the last clip. Dave, you, you read off all those points and all those labels that were placed on conservatives. Here's the one that we haven't hit yet, but here was the big takeaway from the liberal media on Tuesday night.
3: The exit poll showed that... that, that which was interesting—that the coronavirus or that the virus—it was a very has low was not salience. importance to many yes. voters. there. Which was it was education, right. which is code for white parents don't like the idea of teaching right. about race. And I mean, unfortunately, race is just the most palpable tool in the toolkit. It used to be of the Democratic Party back right. in the day when they were Dixiecrats, and now of the Republican Party, it just is powerful. I don't. Just-
1: Here's the, here's one thing. Let me just real quick education. She used little air quotes there is actually white parents. I was, I was taught about race. I was taught about race. I was taught about slavery. I was taught about Jim Crow. I was taught about segregation and busing. I was taught about all of those things. You know why? Because it's part of our history and we have to learn about them. What we push back against is the idea that because Little Johnny is a little is a is a 5-year-old white kid and and James is a is a little 5-year-old black kid that the that little Johnny is born evil and James is not. That's wrong. That's not teaching about race. That's teaching critical race theory which disbands and divides our culture and our country. And here's the here's the bigger takeaway. Republicans didn't run on race in Virginia. Glenn Youngkin didn't run on race. Terry McAuliffe injected race into the campaign, not Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin ran on and I'm quoting him here. We're all made in the image of God. We will not divide our children. We will lift all of our children up in Virginia to chase their dreams. Let me distill
2: this down to the most simple way I can tell you. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you believe that the ground is level at the foot of the cross, if you believe that we're all made in Imago Day the image of God, then our State Department has labeled you as a domestic terrorist because you do not believe in the equity of our day. You do not believe in equal finishing points based on staggered starting places. In other words, If you do not believe, if you're a white American and you do not believe that you are an oppressor and that those who are African-American or black are the oppressed, if you don't believe that, you are a domestic terrorist. And I love what Senator Tim Scott says. He says, you know, one of the greatest dangers to the African-American community is the soft bigotry of low expectations.
1: So let, let's wrap this up into a bow because we're running out of time. I had one more clip from Congressman Jared Huffman on on uh, America America's Newsroom a couple days ago in response to this, but it, it's a longer clip. We will put it up on our podcast page to let you hear it in full. What is the response here? So the response from the liberal media was, "Well, the Republicans are racist, and that's why Glenn Youngkin won, or they're all evil, and that's why Glenn Youngkin won. They're just they're just rejecting this new age." Then on the uh, on the same side of of that issue. You have the Democrats in power right now in the House and in the Senate. Nancy Pelosi has already said, no, we're going to keep pushing on. We're going to keep pushing forward. They're doubling down, which makes no sense. They're saying that Republicans were elected because people were upset that the Democrats didn't go fast enough. I don't know how that makes sense. They're doubling down. So what does this mean for South Carolina in 2022?
0: So that brings us to a place of recognizing why our involvement in the election process is so important. You have to keep in mind the move that the progressives are making right now are to get as much done as they possibly can before elections cycles start back. You have to be thinking about it here in South Carolina of who are the <coughs> candidates, where are their platforms, what are the issues and what do they think about them? And does that line up with your worldview? Because all too often, I hate to say this, most people aren't thinking through those issues. No. They look at, are you an R or are you a D? Mm-hmm. Are you a conservative or are you a liberal? Instead of, where are you on the issues? Because guess what? You may have a person who's, who's running right now whose viewpoints sound right, but how are they voting? Their ideas may sound good, but what is the worldview where they're coming from? This is a time period, folks, for you to be involved in what's going on. Take a look at the issues that are out there. We are here as a resource for you. We're here to begin to distill the information as it's coming out, to bring you a worldview On these issues, you know, as we've talked about, we've talked about critical race theory. Mm -hmm. We've talked about education. We've got Ellen Weaver, who's going to be coming on, talking about what's being done in educational savings accounts and changes that need to go on the educational system in South Carolina to make it more possible for families to have the educational opportunities that their children need, not based upon the zip code where they're living at the moment. Because we've got to admit... There are issues that are out there. There are solutions that need to be brought to the table. And you need to be prepared at home to discuss these issues logically and with a good set of knowledge to be able to make wise choices.
2: So why do we have a podcast? Why do we have a magazine? If you haven't gotten our magazine, you've got to get the Palmetto Family Matters magazine. Why do we have an app? All of these tools. It's to inform you, as Dave just said, to inform you about what's going on so you can make an impact and get involved in your community. And that's why we exist, to make sure that South Carolina is a place where God is honored. Religious freedom flourishes, families thrive, and life is cherished. So we want to inform You so you can make an impact and get involved in your community.
1: This week was impactful. It showed us a lot about where we're heading, what the possibilities are in the future. So, what can you do? We've mentioned it. There's a magazine, Palmetto Family Matters magazine, lists those issues, Dave, that you just mentioned that people need to be aware of coming in the legislative session.
0: This legislative session, we're talking about what is going to be going on on the pro-life agenda. What's going to be going on with critical race theory? How is that going to be addressed so that we can ensure that these things are not being taught in our schools? Ensure it, not just listen and go, okay, well, no, no, it's not going to be happening because somebody told me so. Actually making sure, ensuring that religious liberty is protected Mm -hmm. in our state, that religion is essential, just like your firefighters, your police, your EMS, your church needs to be open. And yeah, we're living in a state right now where we don't have that issue. We have a governor who is very supportive of that, who has not shut down our churches. But guess what? We have to enshrine that into state law so that that freedom is not removed by a future governor somewhere down the road. We've got to be able to talk about things like saving women's sports and and fighting against a very, very progressive liberal agenda coming at us from the LGBTQ plus community who is turning around and saying, everything that you believe from a biblical worldview is wrong. That's what they tell us constantly. You're evil and you're wrong because you don't embrace us. It is not that we don't embrace people. God has called us to love people but he's also called us to live by a standard that he set up and outlined so clearly for us in the word of God.
1: As we wrap up on a a Friday on this special edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast, I want to mention just one thing that no matter the results of any election, whether it breaks red or whether it breaks blue, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because you have to hold to a higher standard. You have to hold to a higher morality And regardless of what comes and goes, the Bible says that God is the one who sets kings and in this case sets presidents or governors of commonwealths and things of that sort. So keep your eyes fixed above, keep looking up, filter the way you look at the issues through that first lens. Have an incredible weekend. We hope you enjoy it. We'll see you next week here on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast.